This is the Church Planning Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Every week we sit down with leaders who are shaping church planning efforts. Here's your host, Colby Garman and Clint Clifton. Hey, welcome to the Church Planning Podcast. I'm Clint Clifton, and I am joined today by Colby Garman. This is not Josh Taransky. Definitely not Josh Taransky. Nope. Josh is taking a sabbatical, which is really, is that a thing you do when you podcast? Yeah, I think if you've got other things that you want to focus on. Yeah, yeah, you do. We just well, that's call what... it a rest, call it a sabbatical, whatever yeah. you want. That's right. Josh has decided to take a break from the Church Planning Podcast, and because of that, we have a stand-in. Uh, and that is Colby Garman. Absolutely. You know, I was thinking when Josh said he needed a break, I was thinking, um, who could I get to stand in? And a couple of people popped in my mind, but I was just like, you know, Colby's like tried and true. I know I know what I'm going to get from Colby. Not a lot of surprises. Not a lot of surprises. And it's just always solid. You're well, like the kind. you're like the guy that hits a double or triple just every time. You or can the bunt the guy to second you, base. You can bunt. You can yeah. bunt if you need to. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, Colby, That's I what I go for. This. Yeah, thanks very much. Glad to be here. Yeah, so um, just for a little bit of history lesson, for those uh, who ha- may not know, you and I uh, have worked together in ministry for a really long time. We uh, originally, why don't you tell people how we originally met each other? We're like, we're getting close to our 20-year mark. I know. Uh, it's going to come up. We're going to have to like go away on a trip. <laughs> I think we should go to Log Cabin today. <laughs> That's a great idea. Log Cabin in Stafford. A lot of history there. Yeah, we started off working at Stafford Baptist as pastoral staff members, and we were really young. We were 22, 20, yeah, 22, I think, when we met, basically. You just maybe turned 23. We were both newly married, and uh, uh, really, it was our first, like, legit church job. Yeah, Um, definitely. And uh, so, yeah, we were were there doing ministry, trying to figure it out. You were the minister to students or the youth pastor, and I was the music minister. Yeah. And that's how we got started off. Yeah, and then uh, we started with a few other people, Iceland, the Iceland Project together. Yeah. And so in conjunction with kind of doing pastoral staff stuff. And then uh, eventually I came back to Pillar after I had spent some time in Iceland. And and we've been hanging out for a decade doing that. Yeah, we have. We have. And the, so the church I, I set out to start in 2005, Pillar, Colby uh, joined up with that work um, after leaving, have, serving as a missionary in Iceland. But we've just always been connected in one way yeah. or another in ministry. You know, he's uh, either he was part of my sending church or we were on the same staff at the same church or we were working together. And, and today we we sort of co-pastor yeah. um, uh, the church. and We uh, co-do most things in the ministry. Things, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we, we sort of jokingly say that together we make a pretty good pastor. I say that. I don't know yeah. if I've ever heard you say that, but I say it. I've repeated it a few okay. times. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just because we are, our giftings, you know, are along a spectrum and, uh, and the, uh, the way I'm wired up, but you, you have a way you describe us sometimes I've heard you say. Yeah. I think I, I think I took it from the guys at the salt network, mm, yeah. but they were describing one time, like some of the different giftings. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think it was Troy, you know, Nesbitt that, yeah. you know, it was like, he was going to, you know, grab a machete and start chopping through the woods. Right. And then uh, Mark Vance, who's yes. there at Cornerstone now, mm-hmm. you know, 
uh, described it as once, Mar- you know, once Troy starts doing that, Mark's going to figure out how to build a highway down through mm. there so more people can go experience that. Yeah, that that is a very good description of the two of us. I think. I think in a lot so. Of ways. There, in a lot of ways, uh, pillar, you know, the church that we we're at now we, the church got started and I broke a lot of stuff to get it started and it got started and it was doing good. Yeah. Sort of the ethos was great. And, Absolutely. Uh, but I did, I did feel like I had hit a ceiling, you know, I was like, I don't know where to take it beyond here. I just want to perpetually start new things. Yeah. I was like trying new initiative. Really, the church really needed somebody like you to come along and say, no, we don't need to start anything new. We just need to strengthen the things we have. Yeah. I like to grab things that have a little bit of momentum mm-hmm. and, but a lo- you know, still a long way to go yeah. and use that momentum to try to make it as good as it can be yeah. and uh, neither one of us are really maintenance people yeah. and so that means that there's always a lot of sort of upheaval and new things going yeah. on at pillar or in the other things that yeah. we've we've started but uh, another part of it not to belabor this that's interesting though is that i still am interested in the church maturing and growing strong Definitely. so i value what it is that you bring to the table right and can contribute here and there though i'm not sort of carrying the water on it and i think reversely you value you know starting new things and kind of trudging through and you yeah i tend to tend to like keep my head down and keep yeah. trying to make something better but i get bored of that mm-hmm. a little bit and then being around someone who you know is ready to try something new and getting to then strategize about that, that keeps me fresh and excited. And, yeah. and so it's just been a great combo. Yeah. So if you happen to be out there and you do ministry alone, you probably feel isolated and lonely if you've been doing it for more than five minutes. And perhaps ineffective. Yeah. You feel that feel way a little bit. I would uh, by myself. You're a little like, um, you're a little unsure if what you're doing is very good or not either. Yeah. Cause you don't have anybody around you to sort of spot check it and say, Oh yeah, that's great. Or man, that's not that good. You should do it better. You just have people saying good pastor, a good sermon pastor as they walk right. out the door and shake your hand. Yeah, you're just, pretty convinced they would say that no matter what, yeah, if yeah. they like you and they right. might criticize you no matter what, if On they the don't home. like you. <laughs> yeah. They might say the same thing and then get in the car and say something different to yeah. their spouse on the way home. So I, I just want to encourage you, you know, it's better it's better by far. I tell guys this all the time. It's better by far to be in a situation where I get to work along with brothers and sisters that I love and I enjoy. I do life with um, this morning, you know, you show, you were up at my, you were at my house, you and your wife, uh, yeah. when I woke up this morning, <laughs> cause you and my kids had been hanging, hanging out this out morning and there were, I don't know, 25 people in my living room when I woke up and came out this right. morning. Yeah, it's, well, your kids are pretty great. Yeah. I mean, just to be honest, maybe people out there don't know your kids very well, but they're pretty awesome to hang out with. Well, we we do life together is the point I'm trying to make here. And and uh, Colby and I would be friends if we weren't uh, companions in ministry. And so we're super, um, super glad to have you doing this for a little while with yeah. us. So thanks. Um, today we're going to hang out with Danielle Wheatley and Danielle is, um, a children's ministry expert, I think I would say. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. And she's, um, she's not just a children's ministry expert, um, but she's a children's ministry expert with a tender heart toward the portable, new, fledgling, small, broke. Week. Yeah. She likes to find people who don't know where to go to get started in children's ministry and help you know, get them a leg up and, and really push them forward in ways that other people can't. So, yeah, 
Yeah, she does. And uh, her and her husband, James, are just tremendously cool people. And I've worked with them um, on a whole bunch of different church planning fronts over the past maybe three or four or five years. Um, one way I've worked with them is I, I've had them come in and train church planters um, in various settings. And I've also um, worked with them. I was interim pastoring at one of our yeah. church plants for Pillar a little DC. while. And um, yeah, Pillar DC. Um, and um, they came over and, and helped us stand up the kids ministry there and did yeah. a great job. And so I really value this couple. And uh, we're really gonna, just going to hear from Danielle, not James. Um, but she's she's incredible. And I just want you to know her. I want you to hear what she has to say. And you, you know, if you got this far in the podcast, um, you, I'm going to give you a gold star because most people would have just not clicked on this one because it's about kids ministry. Yeah. And, and, and uh, man, this should not be the way it is. Right now. I mean, children's ministry is so important in yeah. the life of a church and there's a lot of disagreement about where it fits and right. how to do it. But Danielle's she does an amazing job and does it from like a really rooted gospel oriented perspective and yeah. it's it's important to if you I think if you're out there and you maybe even have been like I don't know how important it is this is this episode is really important for yeah. you to listen to maybe it'll change your mind a little bit yeah for sure um, another thing just to mention at, at Pillar one of the huge stages of development our church had I think was was sort of founding a kids ministry you know we we had childcare. Right. right from the beginning, because yeah. you had to. It wasn't a cho- you didn't have a choice. I think I told Danielle this in the interview, but there was, um, you know, the situation was we had more kids than adults almost every yeah. week in the beginning, um, and so we had you know a hard time maintaining just care, basic care for the kids, and there right. wasn't there was definitely a negative attitude and demeanor toward um, toward teaching kids. People kind of were like, oh no, I got to be in kids ministry. People look at it as a burden, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. you know, to yeah few years ago you know yeah. our, our kids ministry trajectory really changed tur- a lot especially as lydia yeah. came in others had laid the groundwork but lydia yeah. really strengthened it to the point like before covid we were having 120 kids in yeah. child care which is like a third of the church yeah. you know it was pretty amazing so. yeah and and that so it, it stopped being something that was like oh this is a drag to be a part of to people eagerly wanting to to engage in kids ministry yeah. and the kids just absolutely loving being there and it's just so different when it's you bonded get, our church together. Yeah. In a lot of ways. And it's, uh, you know, sort of evangelistically and outreach wise, the kid comes to the um, service and he gets in the car and he says, I want to do that again next yeah. week. That was amazing. We've you had know? that testimony over yeah. and over again of people who came back a second and third time yeah. because their kids wanted to stay. Yeah. yeah. So, so cool. So let's uh, hear a word from our sponsor and then uh, we're going to talk to Danielle Wheatley. Hey, church planters, your calling is to plant a church, but churches are also a business. Auxilio partners with you to provide one-time and ongoing business services, enabling you to stay focused on mission. Visit Auxilio Partners to learn more about the finances, HR, and legal compliance services offered and schedule a free consultation. That's A-U-X-I-L-I-O dot partners. Mention the Church Planting Podcast to receive a 20% discount. All right, Danielle Wheatley, welcome to the Church Planting Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Clint. Yes, it's fun to have you here. You know, we don't have many ladies on the Church Planting Podcast. Oh, okay. And and you probably don't have many ladies talking about children's ministry, so this is even more... None, none. You're the first. Yay! Okay, so this is going to yeah. be a special one. Sure. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, so... Um, all right. So every church plan I've ever been involved in, um, well, I think every church I've ever been involved in, it's got this like sagging, uh, 
attitude toward kids ministry. It's kind of like, like I'll try to summarize it like, oh my gosh, I got to be in kids ministry or, um, or in a church planting environment, like the spaces aren't ideal. Um, we're in these like odd hallways and storage, converted storage closets and ran- random things uh, to make it work. And it's like, just everybody has a little bit of an attitude and you're trying to figure out as a leader, you're trying to figure out how do I solve this problem? And you think, okay, I know the solution is I'll just mandate everyone has to be in children's ministry. So we have enough children's workers. So my wife's not in there every week. And then people get even more mad at you because nobody wants to be there and you're forcing something down their throat. And it's just like this cycle of unpleasantness. Uh, how does a church break out of that cycle? Yes. Well, first I understand because church planners have so much on their plate when it comes to just all the logistics of starting the church. So I understand to them, it could look like one more thing. Uh, But that's why I always share first the vision of kids ministry, because once you get people excited about it, it becomes more. um, I remember even when we were at Pillar DC, when we got to work there together, after sharing the vision, the worship leader said, I want to quit worship and do kids ministry. Um, (laughs) So I think once people understand that it's not just, oh, we're just babysitting some kids so that we can get this done. But when they understand the vision of, you know what, these kids are just as much part of our congregation as the adults. And um, we place value because I, like I was sharing in the seminar, kids are at such a instrumental time in their lives where they're forming their worldview. They're making their basic beliefs about God, but also they can serve in the church. They can um, observe the church and, and really learn what the church is. So I think once they kind of develop that vision for, this is actually a ministry, but it's also a very strategic ministry because we're reaching people at their most open stage of life where they're um, really forming this worldview it will help change that mindset but I think also um, it, it can be overwhelming you mentioned all the logistics I have literally had kids ministry in hallways in um, literally uh, offices in uh, theater lobbies um, now plate like restaurants uh, bars um, well, where now I'll see a space like where we were at like the restaurant and think this is amazing because the corner that we had was nothing so I think being creative and um, first understanding the vision of why are we even doing this well it's because kids are important and oh let me tell let me tell a quick story Clint, because this is so important we yeah. had this one family who came when I was working at McLean Bible Church And they came into the nursery with their, I think she was maybe around a year old. And they spent 30 minutes in the nursery, just talking to me, asking questions, playing with their little girl a little bit, kind of getting her situated. And then they went to leave a little while later. And I had said, wait, are you guys going to go into the, you know, to the sanctuary to see the sermon, to um, see the worship? And they said, you know what? No, we're going to do that next week. This week, we just came to make sure that it was a good environment for our daughter and that would be a good place for her. And I'm so thankful for that story because it just hit me. There could be the most amazing sermon going on, such powerful worship, so much going on, but there's so many people, and especially church plants, because this is huge for church plants um, when you're starting, that people will say, well, if there's not anything for my kid, I won't even make it into the church service, or I won't even become part of the the church plant. So even realizing this is a huge part of your church plant for the health of the entire body, both kids all the way to adults, that if you don't have something for your kids where they're safe, or where kids feel like, oh, I can disciple my kids here. They're going to partner with me. They're, they care about my kids. Um, and you know, we'll figure out the logistics, but they care about my kids. Then they may never make it into the sanctuary. They may never decide to be part of your church plant. So I think that too is realizing, you know what? This is so important. 
if we want to get families so that we show them that we care about their kids. Yeah, man, that's so good. Um, I remember, so you referenced Pillar DC. We, we worked on a church plant together for a little while and, um, and so I had worked with you before that as a, like a consultant with church plants. You were helping a lot of the church plants I was working with, with kids ministry, but I found myself in need of help for kids ministry and you jumped in and helped. And, um, our environment was the most messed up. I mean, I think it was, it was, uh, it, we were in a bar called the ugly mug. It was actually two bars that were on uh, above. One was above the other in, in downtown Washington, DC. And, um, it was, it was like sticky and nasty and we would come in on Sunday mornings and they had been, you know, there late till late on Saturday night and it just wasn't good. But you came in with this like, um, great attitude, which I think was infectious with the other, all the other people, you know, you came into that environment, which most other people would have said, this cannot work. You know, this is, this is not good. Um, and you always had like a can do spirit. Like how important is that kind of thing for kids? I mean, it kind of reminds me of actually the way a kid responds to something as opposed to the way an adult responds to it. You know, kids always see the wonder and the amazement in things and the potential in things. Um, how, how is it that, um, how important is that kind of optimism when you're in a role like a kid's ministry director? Yes. I think just in general for church plants, you have to be flexible. I think people already realize that, but with kids ministry, you're not going to, you know, inherit this beautiful nursery and, um, you know, unless maybe you're renting out a church already. Um, but so just this mindset of, you know what? the church is not the building, the church is the people. And so wherever God has given us the space to come together, I think for, for me, it's showing them that, you know what, like, as long as we have the space to come together, we can make it fun. We can make it exciting. We can make it safe with all of our materials for kids. Um, but I think it's just so important to be able to realize it's not just the building. It's not the beautiful building that's going to attract people. It's the kids coming and feeling loved and having fun and being discipled. I remember when we were um, first doing stuff in the community room and we, we were competing with this um, church plant that we had just launched out of who had this beautiful nursery and this beautiful preschool and I remember one week this mom told me the story and she said you know we told our daughter we're gonna go back to the other church this week so you can go to the treehouse and see the big puppet show and all this stuff a little girl was crying she said no but I, I want to go to my church um, but she's like we're just gonna go it's gonna be so fun so she, they went to that church and then afterwards she picked her up and she's like did you have fun and she was like I miss my church this wasn't my church that was so encouraging to me because as a church plant, you cannot compete with, you know, like I said, we were, we were in a bar, we were, you know, but um, being able to make the space where the kids feel like it's their church is fun. You know, we're going to make it safe. We're going to bring in the colors. We're going to bring it. And that's why the whole seminar goes through. How do you make these spaces kid friendly? And um, one of the big things is decorating the floor and um, adding pops of color. But um, I think just acknowledging it's not the bells and whistles that are going to. So that's why when I saw the space there, for example, I thought yeah. it's actually a ton of space. Yeah, yeah, we have a lot of issues with, um, you know, the floor and that kind of thing, but we have a ton of space. And so this is a beautiful spot to work with as long as you have the space i've been in some spaces where you literally are kind of on each other and then you actually can't take in more kids because you just right. have, once you have the space um i think just having the optimism of oh church is where god has placed us and he's given us the space so let's make it work and let's make it a good place for the kids well let's talk about some practical things because when you when you walk into you walked into the ugly mug and if you guys want a visual go on go online and google the ugly mug bar in washington dc and look at pictures of the inside um it, when we walk into the ugly mug there yeah like you said there were all kinds of problems but i was amazed at how 
in, in, with just a few good products and a few like well-chosen principles or whatever, you converted a space, you converted it into a space that was safe, confined, and like it did everything we wanted. So like, what are, what are some of your go-to moves, you know, in almost every space that you go into, no matter how weird it is? Yes. Well, the first thing is always decorate the floor because first of all, the floor might not be clean. And so it's also to just make it clean and safe. So we get these these um, rugs that are usually portable that, you know, you can wipe off that are waterproof, that kind of thing. You can clean them real quickly, but decorate the floor. Cause you would be amazed when you walk into a space and there's this fun, bright, colorful floor rugs that it just, it all of a sudden looks like fun and, and like a kid's space. So the first thing I say is always decorate the floor, especially because that's easy and uh, portable usually. And, you know, decorating an entire space can take up um, your entire setup time. So decorate the floor is the first thing. And then the gates and the dividers and, and pipe and pipe and drape that we use, I always say, don't just pick the gray gate or whatnot. Add a little bit more money because it will pay off, but to add color. So the gate that we always get for every church plant I'm at is that colorful, you know, it's purple, it's red, it's blue, it's green. And it just, you walk in and just the pops of color that you add by the simple things like a gate um, to confine it and the dividers, you know, that are colorful, they pop. So confining the space first of all um with pops of color decorating the floor and adding the gates and the dividers pipe and base to be very colorful is the very first step that you do after you do that it already literally looks night and day different yeah. um and then you add the, the kind of bigger instead of having a ton of little messy toys adding the, a few bigger toys uh -huh. um those are the kind of basic steps and i i have lists of oh these are the best portable toys all that kind of stuff um people can reach out about but that's kind of the basic add pops of color, decorate it. Whenever you buy anything, if you're buying a table, buy it in colors. If you're buying chairs and, st and stools, buy them all different colors. Cause you, you're not just going to an already fun decorated kit space with all sorts of fun walls. You're going into a place that's usually pretty drab. Uh-huh. Uh, so we'll, we'll put a ton of stuff in the show notes for this week's show and, um, we'll see, uh, the seminar that you keep referencing that you've put together for us and also the, um, uh, the, the list that you're talking about. So we'll make sure we get that stuff in the show notes. Um, so, uh, let's go to back to the attitude kind of thing. Uh, so when, when you come into a situation kind of like pillar DC was, or maybe like, um, some of the other church plants you worked with, um, that everybody sort of has the standard mindset of like, oh man, we got to do this some drum or whatever. Uh, what are what are you t pointing them to scripturally that is gonna help inspire them? How are you uh, not just kind of with your energy getting them getting them stoked about it? How are you how are you compelling them with the word? Yes, that's so good. So I'm gonna try and do this in like three minutes. Um, but we always go back because my, my main thing is, okay, what is the biblical mindset of kids ministry? And so we look at the different stories that many people have heard, but um, like the story of Jesus and the people were bringing the kids to Jesus. And I, and I love it because we see the disciples response and they rebuke them and they sent them away. You know, Jesus doesn't have time for this. There's more important things to do kind of thing. Um, you know, we got an adult business to attend to, but Jesus response is just so telling because he first he rebukes the disciples it says he was indignant he was angry and then he took the kids into his arms and he took the time for them he blessed them he prayed over them um and then he even went a step further and then he said you adults you know all you people who think that you're worthy of my time 
that you all actually need to become like little children to enter the kingdom of heaven. And he actually references several times when he talks about you have to humble yourself like a child and he takes a little child among them and he says, whoever welcomes one child in my name welcomes me. So he, he takes it a step further in showing not only that they're important and that they should we should have the time to minister to them, but that we as adults need to actually become like little children. Mm, and yeah. I always share this in my seminar because it's so huge. I think I referenced it a little bit earlier, but the faith of a child, like we ought, we have to have the faith of a child for salvation. I take the example of a child jumping off a big um, a staircase or a, you know, a big ledge to their parent and they jump, they jump in, they completely don't have a worry in the world. They know that their father or that adult will catch them. It's the childlike faith, but you take an adult in that situation and you, you know, jump to me. They might look at you, Clinton, kind of estimate the distance, kind of look at your muscles. I don't know, like, is he going to catch me? Um, they might doubt, or they might even say, you know what? I know that he can catch me. He's fully capable of it, but you know what? I don't really need his help. I got this. And so I want to, I don't, I don't even want his help. So acknowledging that for salvation, and that's when Jesus was referencing that we, we can't go in like, oh, I got this. I can do it on my own. Right. Um, wow. We have to accept him with faith, like a child. If you know what, I humble myself. I need Jesus, you know, death and sacrifice. And um, so referencing that to a child, I always talk about, again, how children have that childlike faith that God tells us to have. And for salvation, why we see, why are so many people, when you raise your hand in an audience of churches, how many of you accepted Christ, you know, as a child or before the age of 18, you see a whole wave of hands go up. And I always share God can work at, you know, when you're eight years old or you're 80 years old, we know that people can accept Christ at any age, but we miss such a critical window if we just wait until they're older. Right. And when, um, when by then the enemy has already planted so many roots um, of deception or different worldview things or doubts in their mind. So then we're actually just playing catch up and trying to go pull out all those lies of the enemy where our goal should be, you know, while they're young, while they're, while they're making all these beliefs and worldviews, let's plant these spiritual truths that the Bible says, you know, the word will not come back void and that, wow. you know, high God's word in your heart and he, we don't sin against him and try and put child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. So let's really um, strategically take this time where they are young and pour in every single sort of resource for them and not just neglect them. Let's just throw the kids in the cellar. And I've been there so many times um, and sometimes not even trying to be uh, that way, but let's just kind of give them the last of our people and that kind of thing. Where I just like, I pray that people will see the opposite of, no, this is such a critical ministry. And these kids, not only just because it's true, because their parents want to know that they're taken care of. I know as a parent myself, looking for a church, that's that's on my main things. Um, but not only just so the parents are going to be part of the church and you're welcoming people, but the kids themselves so that they can truly um, grow. So I think sharing that that vision of the biblical world and Jesus's mindset, but also how he went a step further and said that we have to become like children and acknowledging it's such a critical stage and strategic time to really invest in people's lives. Man, when you think about it like that, it's just messed up not to be passionate about kids ministry, right? Uh, and that's, and that's the goal is that you, you listen to that and you hear that and you read the passage yourself and you dig deeper. And, and, and the last thing I always dwell on, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And having that vision of every child that walks through your door, that just gives you such excitement about kids ministry that every child that walks in, wow, we're welcoming to, we're welcoming them in, in Jesus's name as if we're welcoming Jesus. It's a Man. powerful mindset. So good. It's so good. And it's so counterintuitive for uh, uh, almost every kids ministry that I've ever been involved in, uh, in a church plant 
you know, everything is emphasized and kids ministry is like tagged on because we have to. Honestly, I think in most church plants, if we could get away with not having kids ministry, if there was some way to get around it, we would do it. Um, We don't we don't really see value in it. The things you just said there and I'm as guilty of that as anybody. I remember. Um, you know, in, in pillar, uh, pillar Dumfries founding the, the church that I've spent most of my energy planting, um, that, uh, that church plant, there was so much of my, my energy and my wife's energy put on kids ministry. And I didn't want to put, I wanted to allocate all that energy to something else, but I couldn't because we had tons of kids in the first, in the first few years of our church's life, we literally had more children than adults, um, in, in our church, we would have. We would have like, you know, on a, on a given Sunday, we'd have uh, 35 kids and 29 adults or something crazy like that show up. We had these fam family. Yeah, it is rare, but it was, uh, you know, it's a, the part of the nature of living in the suburbs, you know, uh, and, uh, in attracting sort of families that, you know, for whatever reason, have a lot of kids, but, um, but all that to say that, man, uh, I wish now that we hadn't had that, that kind of mindset. And, um, and now we do have a vibrant kids ministry with a kids ministry director that has the same kind of viewpoint that you do in terms of the way that she's motivating people to get involved. And there's this energy to be involved around the church and this excitement and this like, uh, it feels like an opportunity to serve the Lord and to serve kids rather than this like drudgery that I have to do. And I, if you're a church planner out there, you have to figure out a way to flip the script on, on that issue. And the first thing you have to do is change your own mindset about it. And so, so I would I would really encourage you to um, to start by t- taking Danielle's seminar and kind of get your your head around that. So um, also Danielle, just to turn things a little bit personal for a second, you you and your husband James are uh, one of the most unique couples that I have ever I have ever met, and I mean I mean that in the most affirming and kind way I can. Uh, you guys are incredible. Both of you are passionate about kids ministry. Uh, your, your husband James is really servant-hearted toward your work and your ministry, and um, and so right now you're spending a lot of your time, in addition to the other things you do in life, but developing kids ministry stuff and uh, pouring yourself out to help church plants get going. So you'll go to a church plant for just a little while, kind of get them set up, train, select a volunteer, a leader, and then and then move on to the next one. So tell us about your your desire to do that and why it is that you're investing in church plants. I mean, certainly you could go do this. You've got McLean Bible on your resume. You could go do this, you know, at large churches. Why are you investing in small church plants? Yes. Oh, so much. Well, first of all, my husband, um, truly, I could not do it without James. So he, and we met doing kids ministry together. So from the very start, it was like, we were doing ministry together and it's, it's never stopped, but he kind of jokes every time a church hires me, it's like a two for one deal. Cause I really get to, I can never do what I do without him, especially on Sunday morning. You've seen it yeah. he's in and out, bringing in and out the, the stuff. He's, I have him helping me train one area when I'm, when I'm training the other area. So no, I'm so thankful that he really catches on to the vision of what we're doing. And he really sees it as he's not just serving me, but he's serving the kingdom. Um, and it has to be that mindset because it's hard work and it's, it's a lot of work. Um, so he's just seeing it as serving the kingdom. And I'm so thankful because because if he didn't catch on to the vision, especially with all of our kids, it just would have would have um, not been the time that we could still pursue this with all of our kids being as young as they are. So, um, no, he's a huge asset to the ministry and such a support. Um, but yeah, no, I think, well, once we had done it, I had done it at McLean and we had opened up the first campus 
um, for McLean, the Maryland campus that at that time did not have a permanent location. So learning so much of starting from scratch and just having to think out of the box. And they just, I mean, they had us in every sort of location you can think of because the theater that we were at once a month, they had a show early in the morning. So, I mean, we were in every sort of situation you could think of. So once I um, stepped down from McLean after we had our third child um, and just started praying, I felt like I wanted to start serving the body again, but I had been on staff for so long. And how do I serve now just being part of the church? And I wanted to do something that was very unique to the giftings that God had given and the different experiences. And I didn't know what that meant. And then through just such a, a God thing, um, Will Klotz was the first um, church planner that we had kind of met during that time who, who walked into a coffee shop during one of my husband's art shows. So it's just such a, such a God meeting. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they had met for coffee just to kind of get to know each other and network because he was in our area. We live in Manassas. That's where his church plant was. So long story short, it was just this perfect fit of let's join their church plant. They need a kids director. We've helped start kids ministries from scratch. We've done this. We've um, So once I did it the first time at, at his church, which was New City Fellowship, and I realized, wow, if I didn't have all my past experiences, it would take just a thousand hours to even research. What do I even need? But I already knew, okay, I need to choose. I need to evaluate the space. I need to, you know, make it kid friendly. I need to choose the right curriculum for this space and for the, the amount of core families that we have as part of the church plant. All these just basic things that I kind of already had um, reference to that I, I thought to myself, how does a person even do this without these past experiences? And I'll tell you, they do it, but it's very, very hard. Right. And it's challenging and it's discouraging and you, you might leave out things. And I know I would have if I had not had those past experiences to go on of, wait, when we go to a new location, these are some really big main things we need to think about. Um, and so after we did that church plan, it just was such a beautiful thing, how God brought it together. And I, I just felt like this was, wow, this was really, yeah, we could go to some bigger churches because even, even at that time, there was some other opportunities. But I thought so uniquely that these church plans need is some sort of direction that I really felt like could help the body in bigger ways than um, if I just went to a, a more established church where I feel like they kind of like someone else could kind of take the, those shoes. Um, and so I felt like, you know what, this is very unique. And I feel like there's not necessarily someone doing this kind of instruction. So that's when, you know, God uh, brought about the connection with you guys mm -hmm. and then doing the seminar. And once I did the seminar and there were so many church planners, even I think um, the um, from Dumfries, the Hispanic ministry that meets in your church, yeah, yeah. she had told me, she was like, I used the seminar <laughs> to just like tailor our entire kids ministry. And I've heard so many people say that. And um, so I think once I realized it's such a unique thing that there's not necessarily a there's not necessarily of um, there's kind of a void right here of um, even just because people have the heart, a lot of them, um, but they just don't even know where to get started or they start. Yeah. But there's so many pieces that fall through the cracks because they just don't even realize until you start. Oh, we didn't even think about this or we didn't think about this. So I think giving people a um, basic. OK, these are things that you need to think about. It helped me so much. So then I thought, OK, other people are doing this. They're starting new churches. Um, this is kind of unique to where God's given us the experiences. So that's why we wanted to focus on specifically church plants and believing you always share the vision of church plants and how powerful they are. So we believe in that vision. We believe that we need more um, Bible sharing churches. Um, so believing that vision first and then thinking strategically, we want to invest in new church plants. And that's kind of where, where we've landed. That's so good. Well, I am really grateful that you have. I mean, 
<clears throat> sometimes it feels like church planning gets the leftovers and um, you are in your prime and the, on the top of your game, you're the best of the best of people I've worked with. And I'm so glad that you've decided to focus your energy and your gifts on uh, helping churches, uh, new churches thrive. So um, we're going to give all this stuff away, uh, but uh, you are open and willing to consult and be contacted. And so people can reach out to you and we'll make sure that we uh, have your contact information in the episode notes as well. Uh, but Danielle, this has been a really enlightening conversation. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for your service to the Lord and uh, for your inspiration, inspirational work. Thanks so much, Glenn. I really appreciate our partnership because it wouldn't have been able to, um, I think the Lord, when he led us to New City Network, that's when it really was starting to become, okay, this is where God has us. So I'm so yeah. thankful for you believing in us and the partnership that we've been able to do through uh, these different things that we've worked on. Yeah. Thanks so much, Danielle. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Michael Crawford's new book called Don't Plant, Be Planted, Contrarian Observations About Starting a Church is out now. You can find it anywhere books are sold. And if you pick it up, you should be prepared to hear some sound and hard advice from an experienced church planter about the joys and sorrows and victories and defeats that come with this huge task of planting a new church. Now, Mike Crawford is a veteran. He's a practitioner. He's been out there planting a church in a hard city called Baltimore, Maryland and uh, he's gotten the church started. It's thriving and it's multiplied and you need to read this book. He shares some very direct and heartfelt observations about church planting in a no holds barred kind of way. It's a short read, it's an easy read. I encourage you to pick it up. It's called Don't Plant, Be Planted and you can find it anywhere books are sold. Thank you for listening to the Church Planting Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Today's episode of the Church Planting Podcast is sponsored by New City Network, the church planting ministry of McLean Bible. A special thanks to today's guest, Josh Taransky produced today's show. Nick Bashane was our editor. Thanks to Hudson Taransky, who provided administrative and web support for the program. And last but not least, thanks to you for listening all the way through to the very end of the Church Planting Podcast. If you'd like more information about our show, feel free to visit our website at www.churchplantingpodcast.org. There you can find all of our past episodes, as well as notes and links from today's show. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so be sure to check us out on the social. And tune in next week for another episode of the Church Planting Podcast.